morning, everyone. Welcome to the Contemporary Service here at Noblesville First. We are so excited that you're joining us for worship this morning. We've got some great stuff planned ahead. Guest preachers, new music, all sorts of good stuff. Why don't you stand and join us? If you haven't grabbed an action card on your way in, make sure you do grab one on your way out. Fill it out for us. That gives you all the different ways you can volunteer here at Noblesville First to get involved. We'd love to have you help out as well. Just let, it, let us know you're here. Let's dive in together into some worship. Let's sing together. When darkness tries to roll over my bones, when sorrow comes to steal the joy I own, when brokenness and pain is all I know, Oh, I won't be shaken. No, I won't be shaken. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My 
we thank you so much for the opportunity to be here today to join together in worship lifting our voices god we just ask that you would fill this place with your presence that as we join together that we would not leave the same way we came god but we would be changed we just thank you again so much for this opportunity to be here we ask all these things in the name of your son jesus christ our lord invite you to turn and pass the peace of Christ to, to those around you. to the people online as well. Hello, online people.
morning. I'm Julia Kozicki. Our scripture reading this morning comes from Mark chapter 7, verses 24 through 37. Jesus left that place and went into the region of Tyre. He didn't want anyone to know he had entered a house, but he couldn't hide. In fact, a woman whose young daughter was possessed by an unclean spirit heard about him right away. She came and fell at his feet. The woman was Greek, Syrophoenician by birth. She begged Jesus to throw the demon out of her daughter. He responded, the children have to be fed first. It isn't right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. But she answered, Lord, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Good answer, he said, go on home. The demon has already left your daughter. When she returned to her house, she found the child lying on the bed and the demon gone. After leaving the region of Tyre, Jesus went through Sidon toward the Galilee Sea through the region of the Ten Cities. Some people brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly speak, and they begged him to place his hand on the man for healing. Jesus took him away from the crowd by himself and put his fingers in the man's ears. Then he spit and touched the man's tongue. Looking into heaven, Jesus sighed deeply and said, Ephatha, which means open up. At once his ears opened, his twisted tongue was released, and he began to speak clearly. Jesus gave the people strict orders not to tell anyone, but the more he tried to silence them, the more eagerly they shared the news. People were overcome with wonder, saying, he does everything well. He even makes the deaf to hear and give speech to those who can't speak. We are thankful for the gift of scripture. Amen. make sure you're awake. How's that? Testing, testing? Okay. Get it around my earrings. <laughs> okay. Everybody good? I hear echo. Is that okay? So the other day I heard a tinkling sound in my house. So I'm back in our office doing my work. Matt and the kids are gone at work and school. So I thought I better go check it out. It wasn't an alarming sound, but I, it wasn't normal either. So I thought I better go check it out. So I creep through my house and right away I see my older dog Callie, who's a golden retriever, standing in the hallway. She wasn't making the sound, but she knew something was up. So suspiciously then, I walk down the rest of our hallway and I turn the corner into our kitchen and what do I see but our younger dog, Archer, all four feet up on the countertop. Like what in the world? <sighs> so when I squealed, he looked up sheepishly and wagged his little tail, and so I picked him up, pet, set him down. He went about his little doggy business, and I went about trying to figure out how in the world he got up there. So our dogs know 
that when we have food out, they should pay attention. Now, our two boys are not the cleanest, and sometimes they drop food. Matt and I sometimes drop food, too, but we won't talk about that. The kids are dropping the food, and there is no five-second rule at our house because the dogs zip in and catch the fumbled crumbs. Now, Callie is our six-year-old golden retriever, and she has age and size and experience on Archer. Archer is a six-month-old German Shepherd mixed breed, but he's much smaller than Callie. And he often misses out on the crumb experience. And so I guess this day he just decided to go right to the source for some tasty people food. In our scripture today, Jesus called the woman who had searched him out a dog, and then she went along with the illusion by saying, but even children, even the dogs eat the food from the children's table, under the children's table. So what is that all about? Well, immediately preceding our text, Jesus had been out being followed by crowds, And he was teaching the crowds and ministering to them, healing them and feeding them. And then the Pharisees approached him and complained about his followers' dirt, that stuff that made them ritually unclean or unright before God. And so Jesus turned the question back to the Pharisees and explained how they... Uh, wrote up lawful stipulations which ended up ignoring God and causing a um, scenario or scenarios that caused spiritual harm to the people. Now Jesus had become widely known, not just in his Jewish circles, but also to the broader Gentile community. And so in this scripture lesson, he had left his area and gone to the Gentile uh, region of Tyre and is trying to escape by hiding in a house. However, even here, word has gotten out that Jesus is in town. So here we find Jesus reclined in a house when suddenly this uh, Gentile woman came in and fell at Jesus' feet. Now notice that she's described as a Gentile of Syrophoenician birth. This tells us she's ritually unclean. There are scholarly rumors all about this woman, what what she's done, how she's been, what, what is making her unclean. But according to Mark's gospel, her uncleanness comes from the fact of her Syrophoenician heritage. She's not Jewish, and is therefore seen by the Jewish culture as outside of the covenant with God. Now, she knows that the miracles that Jesus has been working, and I think it's safe to assume that she's desperate to help her child. And so she comes to him to beg for him to cast out the demon from her daughter. Jesus responds to her. The children have to be fed first. It's not fair, it's not right to take the bread from the children and toss it to the dogs. So basically, Jesus is telling her no. Now, this doesn't sound like the guy we call our Savior, does it? I don't know about you all, but I like to think of Jesus as helping everyone and with a nice, reassuring smile. So is Jesus just tired and grumpy? Is he testing her? Maybe Jesus is being snarky. What do you think? Well, let's take a moment to maybe look at this story in a different light. I think sometimes we only think of Jesus as fully God. But we have to remember that Jesus was also fully human. And as a human, maybe Jesus is tired, frustrated with the conditions, and he just needs some rest. I get that. 
I'm sure many of you, if not all of you, get that too. How many times have we just been dogged and dogged and we're tired and we're grumpy and then we snap at the people who seek us out? I remember when I worked in health health insurance administration several years ago, I would help people work out their medical claim insurance problems. These were folks who would have a medical claim and oftentimes part or the whole claim would be denied, and that's a lot of money. So they would come to me to find out um, what the problems were, and a lot of times it was very minor stuff that helped them to get it um, adjudicated properly. But I would work for the day at these things, and still there was always someone else with another issue needing help, and so it was frustrating. And so I'd go home after a long day at work, and there was my husband, Matt, just wanting to talk or do something for which I had no patience right then. I just needed some downtime first. Now, I'm a bit of an introvert, and that means that I recharge my batteries with alone time. And we all need some downtime at times to ground ourselves and reconnect with God. So maybe Jesus was feeling this way too? And look at this pandemic. It seems like it won't go away. We're just tired and frustrated with the whole mess. In India, it seems that there were a few missteps that caused a good number of its citizens to go unvaccinated. And it could be argued that some of those missteps were based upon decisions that decided the worth of one human being over another and who was worthy of a vaccine or who was not. And then in in Afghanistan, we have a group of people who believe in a strict interpretation and enforcement of religious law that then creates an unfair system causing problems with rights, and some people not even being considered worthy of life. We humans are creating unclean societies and unclean politics and unclean environments, all by allowing the ways in which ideas or systems cause harm to those that uh, we deem are less important to ourselves and our ways of life. Like the culture in Jesus' time, we too make value judgments on a hierarchy of who is in or who is out. There are times when we make decisions based upon the value we perceive in a person or in an action. This state of mind could be considered an unclean spirit, setting us in opposition to ways that are compassionate, full of love, making us unright with God. I used to believe that a person's situation was directly related to the choices they made and their actions, regardless of who they were or how they grew up or where they came from. So for example, um, I thought, as many today still do, that an impoverished person is impoverished directly because of the choices they've made. I'm sure you've heard the old adages like, you made your bed, now sleep in it. But now I have a much wider base of experience that helps me to understand that there are structures in place, systems, if you will, that limit the choices that are available to people. So, for example, a political constraint might be um, a law that adversely affects a racial type or a gender over another. Or a social constraint might be something that causes a a difference between the haves and the have-nots, allows one group some benefits that the others can't attain. Or maybe it's an environmental constraint like temperature and soil type and water. 
all of those things limit the kind and amount of crops that a person can grow for food or well-being. Now, these are all examples, and just a few examples at that, of systemic problems that stem from the human way of doing things. We are creating unclean spirits and allowing them to thrive by not acting against them. Unclean spirits allow us to look the other way because we don't accept the responsibility of the parts we play in this world. Unclean spirits can allow us to fill our lives with things rather than a full relationship with God. So can God and will God heal us from our unclean spirits? What must we do to be worthy of God's help? So Jesus said to the woman, the children have to be fed first. It isn't right to take the bread from the children and toss it to the dogs. Now, did she leave it at that? No. She answered, Lord, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Like my own dogs, she is eager to have the scraps. She's not asking for the main meal. Now my archer climbed up on the cabinet in search of tasty goodness, boldly going where no dog had gone before. I think maybe the Syrophoenician woman is kind of like that too, emboldened to ask for something she had no claim to. Where did her boldness come from? Could it be that God provoked her faith? Could it be that God guided her through grace to offer her healing for her daughter? If God works in and through and is everywhere at once, then it's possible at least that God isn't just located in the person of Jesus, but also working through the woman in our story. Jesus recognized the grace that led her to him, despite his very human desire to escape from those crowds. I wonder if perhaps this was also a moment of healing affirmation for Jesus, too. Jesus said, Good answer. Go on home. The demon has already left your daughter. And when she returned home, she found her child lying on the bed, the demon gone. What favor, unearned, she had received. She was no one special, and she had done nothing special. Her faith in the ability of Jesus to heal her daughter emboldened her to ask. Her faith emboldened her to act, to seek him out, and to ask for that demon to be cast out of her daughter. God's unearned grace led the Syrophoenician woman to Jesus, and God brought about the healing of her daughter through that woman's grace, through that woman's faith. I think maybe it can be like that in our lives, too. When we seek healing through Christ, we both reveal and receive God's blessings. It is more than just feeling good about an action. It rather is a sense of working for an embodied peace and well-being within others that then spills over to ourselves. So, for example, Matt and I planted a few trees uh, in the conservation reserve area at Teeter uh, a few weeks ago. And it, while it was hot and humid and buggy while we did it, it was rewarding to know that one day those trees would be bearing fruit and providing food to the birds and the deer and to all the animals, including people, who pass by. It was healing for me to think of the future joy that perhaps they might all feel when coming upon some delicious fruits. Even though there are entire woodlands being torn down to build convenience stores, with this seemingly small action 
I too can participate in God's healing mercies for myself and my whole community. Now, my call is to faith and ecology. I don't presume to know where God is calling each of you. But I do know that if you are willing to seek God's healing mercy for our communities, then God will show up within your life and embolden your actions. Whether it's working through the various ministries of this church, like Dinners on Us or Ugly Quilts, or activities outside of the church, in sports or scouts, or even seeking to correct the systemic problems at a political level. Be bold in your faith by asking for God's healing grace. God's concern is for those who cannot speak for themselves, like the daughter of the Syrophoenician woman. God is concerned with all of creation, but especially for those who are not dependent upon the status that the world grants to them. God guides us through grace. And we are then able to seek God's mercy. God emboldens us to take steps for change and then gives us healing beyond what the current culture might dictate. So I would like to leave you today with a few questions to chew on today and this week and in the weeks to come. What unclean spirit is dogging you? Are you trying to escape notice while the need is boldly asking for your help? Where is healing needed from your standpoint? Thank you, Amber. For those who don't know, Amber is one of our uh, very devoted Peter people. And she's also going through the ordination process to become an ordained deacon in the United Methodist Church. And part of that process is she preaches a sermon that she then sends on to the Board of Ordained Ministry. So I want to commend you for a wonderful message, and I'm so glad that you are a part of our congregation and that you are called to ordination. So I look forward to, to calling you officially a colleague sometime very soon. So thank you all for supporting Amber as she's on this journey toward ordination in the United Methodist Church. Yeah. Amen. Thank you. Today we have a few uh, prayer requests and joys that I'd like to lift up and then, of course, give you all a chance to lift up that which is on your hearts this morning as well. Today we pray for Nancy McDonald, who had surgery this week to remove skin cancer. And let us keep in prayer the many who have been injured, made homeless, and for the lives that have been lost in the floods that have come from Ida. We lift up baby Sam Conrad, born on Thursday this past week, who has fluid in his lungs and transferred to Fisher's NICU. And this is the grandnephew of Matt and Amber Good. We offer sympathy to the family of Dick Towner, who passed away on Wednesday the 1st. Please keep his wife, Carolyn, and his family and friends in prayer. We have a joy today that on this Labor Day weekend, we give thanks for all those who are able to work and provide for their families and for the common good of all. We thank God for those who labor and share the fruits of their work. At this time, I invite you into a time of silence, followed by a pastoral prayer, and then we'll say the Lord's Prayer together. Let us pray. Oh God, we give you thanks for this holy time, this holy place, where we can come together as your people, where we can come together to sing songs of praise, 
to worship, to hear a message that both challenges and inspires us. And then you send us off, O oh God, into the world that is so in need of us to be a light of compassion, mercy, and grace. So come, Holy Spirit, to fill our hearts and our lives that we may be touched by your grace. We give thanks, O oh God, that we are, are emboldened to do wonderful and marvelous things because you give us the courage to do so. We believe, O oh God, but help our unbelief in the times that we're not quite sure. And so we pray, O oh God, for those who are on the journey with us, for those who may be struggling, for those who may be filled with anxiety about the future, for those who are in a time of discernment or seeking. We pray, O oh God, for those that we lifted up today, for Nancy recovering from surgery, for those who are struggling with the aftermath of a storm, for those mourning the loss of a loved one, for Sam who is in the NICU, for the family of Dick Towner, And God, we acknowledge on this weekend of rest that there are many of us who are trying to find purpose, perhaps are unemployed or those who are simply unhappy with what they're doing. So we ask for guidance and courage in those situations. And we give thanks and rejoice in the work that we have that we can provide, that we can teach, that we can love, that we can serve you and our community. And today, oh God, we realize there's so much in our world, places that are hurting, struggling, places of violence and war. May we never stop learning and opening our eyes to the ways that we can show love, that we can pray, that we can reach out, even in some small way. Guide us with your grace, O oh God, that we may be your disciples and we your people, that we will build your kingdom here. In this we ask in the name of Jesus, who teaches us to pray by saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
favorite song where you heard the words, hungry souls receive grace at the sound of your great name. But today we lift up the name of Jesus as we come to the table for communion. And we remember that story that we hear every week in this service. But let's not forget how important it is that Jesus shared a special meal at the table with his friends the night that he was betrayed. And at that table, he took bread. He gave thanks to God. He blessed it. And then he broke it. And he gave it to them and he said, Take and eat, for this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. He also took the cup. He gave thanks to God. He blessed it. Then he passed it to his friends, and he said, Drink from this, all of you. This is the blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for all, for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us pray. O oh God, we ask that you pour out your Spirit upon all of us gathered here, and on these gifts of bread and cup. May they be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be redeemed by these signs of grace. May we meet you at the table, O oh God, that we may be nourished to go out into the world and to help be a part to feed those hungry souls. We give you thanks, O oh God, for these gifts, this sacrament, where we meet you, where we are fed, where we are ready to face the world. As we come forward, may we be reminded of this story. We ask this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. We invite you to come forward as you feel led. Feel free to place your connection card or if you have your offering today in this basket and take a communion set. Feel free to spend some time at the prayer railing or light a candle. May this be your time, your time of praise, prayer, and worship. And all are welcome. The table is open.
hope this worship service isn't a static, single thing that you come to, you leave, and nothing is different. We hope you will take the questions that Amber brought with you today, that you'll think on them. We hope that the worship that you have experienced will fill you ready to serve God as you leave this place. And we hope that you will have a heart of praise long after the music fades. Stand and join us. because I normally do, and then now what I want to do, let me get my microphone, let me get my microphone, it doesn't want to let go, is get it over here so I can go with the questions again, I like, I love these questions, and I want you to actually take these home with you, <laughs> put them up on your fridge or on your mirror in the morning and think through these, what unclean spirit is dogging you, are you trying to escape notice while that need 